This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. For the last couple of reflections, I've been saying that what we do in church each week, in our songs, prayers, readings, and so on, is a proclamation of the gospel to those who overhear us. Our praise is a form of evangelism. Of course, all of this assumes that unbelievers are present at our celebrations in the first place. And short of setting up a PA outside the building, I'm sure it might be difficult for some of us to envisage outsiders overhearing anything of our church services. There are all sorts of reasons some of our churches have visitors. Um, Location, architecture, demographics, and so on. But in my experience, the most significant factor is the quality of the church service itself. Now, by quality, I don't just mean the professionalism of the leader or the standard of technology and music. I mean the degree to which the congregation itself revels in its Sunday experience of praising God and encouraging one another. I'd go as far as to say that over time, the number of visitors in our church services is directly proportionate to the level of enthusiasm felt by those who regularly attend. This isn't rocket science. If I'm not personally inspired by what goes on in my regular church services, there's no way I'm going to ask my friends and family to come and share the experience. Nor am I likely to talk about church in daily conversation. If, on the other hand, I am thrilled, challenged, rebuked, and uplifted by the prayers, songs, creeds, readings, and sermons I hear on Sunday, there's every chance I'll feel confident mentioning church in conversation and even inviting friends to join me one Sunday. I was speaking to a brand new Christian who told me about a cocktail party he went to recently. Some of Henry's friends were a little perplexed by his finding religion. One of them said, why on earth would you go to church? Henry threw it straight back at him. Come with me on Sunday and you can see for yourself. Now that is a believer who enjoys his church service. And why wouldn't he? It was actually a church service that hooked Henry in the first place just six months earlier. Henry had not attended church since the enforced chapel services of his religious school days. But then one day, Sandra, his wife, decided she wanted to take the kids to Sunday school. She'd been invited to church by a local school mum. Sandra went and loved it, and within a few months found herself trusting in Christ. Naturally, she asked Henry to come along too. Reluctantly, he did. And to his surprise, he too loved the experience. He couldn't put his finger on it, but something about the singing and the prayers and the preaching and the people captivated him. He says it was an hour of depth and solace in an otherwise full and frantic life. He came back again and again and again. And he soon found himself joining in with the songs and the prayers and finding that he really meant it. Christ had become real to him. Henry and Sandra have not looked back. They are among the most regular members of the church and remain eager to throw down the challenge to their friends and family. Come with me on Sunday and you can see for yourself. The services Henry and Sandra were so taken with were not evangelistic services. They were regular services designed for the praise of God and the strengthening of believers. There were Bible readings, songs, prayers, confessions, creeds and preaching. All of the things that have always been part of church gatherings. Henry and Sandra were eavesdroppers, as it were. 
And this, I think, is part of the power of services like these. Visitors to church can easily feel threatened if they suspect the whole event is pitched at them. But when they feel the freedom simply to observe what Christians do, praying to the Lord, giving thanks to him, listening to his word and so on, visitors are more at ease, less defensive and more open to the things they hear. A passage penned by the Apostle Paul provides an excellent concrete example of a visitor overhearing our public praise and as a result, turning to the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 23 to 26, Paul stresses the missionary significance of normative, intelligible, congregational declarations. He asks us to imagine an unbeliever walking into church. Let me read the passage. 1 Corinthians 14, 23. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, Will they not say you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all, and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these things must be done for the strengthening of the church. When tongues are left uninterpreted, says Paul, unbelievers visiting the church will think Christians are insane. If, on the other hand, everyone is prophesying an intelligible form of speech, visitors will be able to understand what we're going on about and so will fall down and worship God, Paul says. Admittedly, there's great debate about what exactly Paul means by prophesying. Believe it or not, entire PhDs and numerous scholarly books have been written on this exact topic. My own view, for what it's worth, is that prophesying here in 1 Corinthians 14 doesn't have anything to do with you know predicting the future or having special insight into something. It's actually Paul's catch-all term for any type of intelligible speech uttered by members of the congregation during public worship. It includes everything listed by Paul at the conclusion of the discussion, where he says, What then shall we say, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction or a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. All of these things must be done for the strengthening of the church. That's what prophesying is. But my main point here remains regardless of how you understand what prophesying is. The intelligible words of the congregation, not just the preachers, during the church service can have evangelistic significance, according to Paul. What happens in church can, by its very nature, be a powerful promotion of the gospel. You know, at heart, I am basically an evangelistic preacher and writer. These are my skills and passions. But I can honestly say that in the years I worked as a local church pastor, I saw as many visitors join God's people through the regular Sunday service as I did through my more deliberate evangelistic preaching and programs. It was a humbling experience for an evangelist. I am more than ever convinced that getting our church praise right, by which I mean making it gospel-focused, heartfelt, and intelligible to all, 
is a vital expression of our commitment to promoting the gospel. A dear friend of mine was, until moving to the UK, a TV news producer for Channel 10, actually. Emma was a groovy young mum, and when I met her, she was an outright atheist. In fact, in one of our first deep conversations, she said to me, look, I'm an atheist, I was raised an atheist, so don't bother trying to convert me, will you? But Emma came to the baptism of the child of mutual friends. The baptism itself was simply part of the regular Sunday service. It was sandwiched between prayers, Bible readings, songs of praise, a sermon and the weekly notices. Emma could count on two fingers the number of church services she'd been to over the years. But she left this church service struck by the spiritual feeling of it all, she said. She came back the next week and the next and the next. Each week she said the same thing. Look, I'm not at all religious, but boy, I like this stuff. Eventually, Emma was invited to an evangelistic course, a five-week walkthrough of the life of Jesus. She came. Within weeks, this atheist was a passionate and vocal follower of Christ. It was delightfully ironic, as she herself points out, that something she once disparaged, the humble church service, was under God the very means of drawing her irresistibly to faith in Christ. Our public praise in church is a powerful proclamation of the gospel. Let's do it with zeal, with passion. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.